0: Welcome to episode 45 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen with host Matt Payne. This week's guest is Adam Woodworth. Uh, Adam is a pretty amazing uh, landscape and astrophotographer from the northeast uh, United States. And uh, he recently transitioned into uh, full-time photography. So we talked a lot about that transition. Um, He also just did a long road trip from Maine to Alaska and we talked about that trip and you know, some of the stuff he shot and what that was like. We also talked about uh, his recent speaking engagement at Photo Expo Plus and CES as a Nikon ambassador. And we talked about uh, why he enjoys uh, shooting night photography. Um, I wanted to announce a special uh, thing we're doing this week on the podcast. I've partnered with F-Stop Gear, who makes some really great uh, backpacks. And they also make uh, these things called ICUs which are what you put all your camera gear into and then put into the backpack. They've donated a medium-shallow ICU. Um, I personally own a couple of ICUs and an F-Stop bag and just love the modular system and flexibility it gives you to carry different stuff out into the field as a landscape photographer. So they've donated one of their ICUs. And what I'm going to do is I have a Facebook group um, uh, for the podcast called F-Stop Collaborate and Listen Podcast. What I'd like you to do is join that group. I've, uh, I'll put a special post out right after this podcast goes up. And what I'd like you to do is post in that, in that, leave a comment in that post saying, um, what do you like about the podcast and what topics would you like to hear on future episodes and maybe some other guests that you think we should have on the podcast. And then I'll uh, select a winner and uh, they will receive a medium shallow ICU from F-Stop Gear. Uh, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. thanks so much for coming onto the podcast uh you know you've um come highly recommended from a lot of photographers um including some of our mutual friends
1: <laughs> yeah cool thanks man thank you for having me on excited to be here
0: yeah absolutely um you know I've actually been um following your photography for quite a long time i when I first got into photography for for whatever reason I got really hooked on eye photography. And I know that's um, a big part of what you do too. And we'll talk more about that later. But uh, obviously, you know, when you get into night photography, you start trying to search out the big names and definitely you rose to the top for sure. So um, that's pretty cool.
1: Oh, well, thank you, man. It's uh, I appreciate that. It's...
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, dude. So before we uh, dig super deep in any of these topics, I just was hoping maybe you could tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Um, I know you're relatively well-known, but uh, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into landscape photography, um, and uh, kind of what you're up to these days.
1: Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, I'm from Maine originally and grew up here in uh, in Kittery, which is like the southernmost town in Maine. Um, and now I live in the easternmost town in Maine and in the country, but that's a whole nother story <laughs> we'll get to later. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I've been in photography for a long time. Like, I kind of did it off and on as a kid. Um, I remember when I was young, my mom gave me a little 110 film camera,
2: which okay. is like
1: those old, I don't know. Do you remember what those are? Like these little old rectangle, like simple cameras, point and shoot, as a flash. Um,
0: yeah um i had like a little kodak disc camera um i don't know if it's similar to that but um
1: i uh, it could be i don't know what that is oh yeah they... i didn't really know much about cameras back then i just pointed it and shot it you know yeah um the film for the 110 it looks like a i think it's a 110 anyway it looks like a dog bone <laughs>
0: oh you know, right on
1: like the old film canister nice It was like, it was like rolled already, you know, it was like if you had a film canister and then you unrolled it to another film canister and then put that like inside plastic, it was its own all self-contained. You didn't have to roll out the film and lock it in place yourself. Um, So anyway, I don't know. I just goofed around with that for a while. And then, you know, I mean, I was a computer nerd, you know, did a lot of uh, computer programming and um, had like software engineering job for a long time, like 20 years. Wow. Um, you know, I went to school and dropped out after a year cause, uh, the software economy was just going crazy. So I got a job in Boston doing software. And then I did that from then, which was like 2000 or 99 until, you know, October of last year, oh, when wow. I dropped, <laughs> you know, it wasn't the same job the whole time, but you know, I just went full-time photography. Wow, dude. Um,
0: so, you've been full-time yeah. just since October.
1: Yeah. 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 Okay. Which is a whole... It's a long time coming because I had been hoping to do it for a while. It's just a matter of, like, making it happen.
0: Sure. Um, so, um, I guess... So, do you... Um, I think you had mentioned uh, you you, and... Both you and your girlfriend just quit your jobs. And so, now you guys are both, like, living in an RV now?
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> we, we have a... <laughs> <laughs> we were for a while, but we have a house, or not like we rent a house. Um, okay. So we, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a crazy story. But for years, I'd been planning to go on the road and just like downsize to an, a small RV, um, and just sort of head out across the country and just see where I end up, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and that sort of turned into me. You know, like, uh, what was it? A couple of years ago, I got an RV, it's an old road Trek. It's basically like a, an old Dodge van that's been converted into an RV by the company road Trek. Nice. And like, it had a, like 200,000 miles on it almost, I think when I got it and a ton of, it worked, everything worked <laughs> except that everything broke after I got it. So <laughs> of course, you know, I quickly became a electrician, plumber and mechanic, um, all very, you know, within a few months.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude, that's <laughs> like being a homeowner, right?
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. So I never thought I'd know so much about all that stuff. But um, I ended up, uh, you know, heading out last April on April 2nd, the day after my girlfriend's birthday. <laughs> like, hit the road and went on this crazy, like, road trip that um, I didn't really know what was going to happen. Like, I knew I wanted to get to Alaska. And I made it there, but I didn't know where I'd end up. And then, the, ultimately, I just kind of was homesick. And as, you know, as, as beautiful as the rest of the country was, I missed the main coast. Hmm. So I ended up back here. Where, where all after going, where all did you
0: go on your trip?
1: Um, so the first stop, believe it or not, was Bardstown, Kentucky, for uh, bourbon tours.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come, completely unrelated to photography well I mean it's uh, uh you
0: know it helps with your compositions right when you get a little bit of whiskey, right?
1: there. <laughs> <A little> whiskey. <laughs> but it was uh I had my full-time job at that point actually but I had at that uh like a couple of years ago I had worked out a a thing with them where I would work like th- like three weeks a month and I have a week off sweet and reduced pay but you know it was pretty cool to have a week off oh yeah so what i was doing on the road was you know traveling when i could which meant like in the morning and in the evening during the weekdays and then you know every month i'd have a week off to go do stuff um so i kind of took me a few days just to get to kentucky because i had to work during the oh, day oh right you know from maine um, but I actually did my first photos of the trip were at the uh, old my old Kentucky home, which is the like there's actually an old Kentucky home uh, of the song <laughs> nice. um, like that thing they play at the Derby every year yeah day, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, so there's actually in Bardstown this a pretty old you know mansion basically on a hill in town, and my first photo of the trip was of that, <laughs> <laughs> it's like very different from what I usually yeah right. That. Um, but it was springtime, so everything was blooming. The trees were kind of nice and budding, and there was like some nice warm light from sunset on it. Yeah, yeah. Was nice. But uh, <laughs> anyway, from there, I went over to my first major like national park stop was Mammoth Caves, which was which was cool, but it's definitely not very photogenic. Um, it's like the cave. It's kind of like feels like you're in like a Disney theme park uh... or something because everything is is lit up with like you know. There's lamps inside. There's a ton right. of people, and I didn't get to go on the cool side where all the bats are. So I just had to go on the side where you could wander around by yourself. But you know, it's you and like a hundred, yeah, right. other people. Um, it's still cool though. It's one that's like uh, witnessing um, the Grand
0: Canyon from the visitor center kind of a deal.
1: Pretty much, <laughs> I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Not you know, not the most awesome yeah. way to see it, but um. And then i went over to uh my first real like major photography stop was in colorado at the uh uh, rocky mountain national park and i went to uh you're i think you're in that area i went up to Uh estes park and stayed in the campground there at rocky mountain national park right near estes park for a couple nights um and that was like so we're still in april right so there's not a lot of people around which is pretty cool but there's also a lot of snow. They had a pretty heavy yeah. winter, I guess. Actually,
0: this year, this spring might be interesting because we've had, like, almost no snow in Colorado. It's kind of freaky.
1: Yeah. i heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I went – there was a lake there. I can't remember the name of it right now, but I walked out to this lake at sunset and then sunrise the next morning and, you know, met a few photographers who chatted with them. That was my first major stop.
0: That's a good stop. Um <laughs>
1: Yeah, I just can't remember the name of the lake right now.
0: Uh, well, it could have been uh, Dream Lake or uh.
1: no. It was one that you like park and then just like a five minute walk to the, oh, okay. the lake yeah, or yeah. something like that, like super close. Um, all the other like I wanted to go out to like Dream Lake or whatever, but everything it was you know I think there was everything was still frozen. Yeah,
0: that's when Dream Lake is cool.
1: Yeah. Oh, is it okay? <laughs> Not like. uh don't need a reflection no,
0: no i i don't know i've actually only been there in the winter so um, oh, okay. but it's um because you get like really cool cracks in the ice and stuff like that um but, uh, oh, uh, okay, yeah but um but, yeah rocky Mountain national park is is pretty cool um i've actually only shot there a couple times i've not spent a ton of time there i'm more of a like super backcountry like wilderness yeah. no middle of nowhere type type guy but uh Oh,
1: yeah. yeah i love that stuff i want to do more of that yeah colorado
0: is the yeah. best for that because we've got some pretty big wilderness areas here
1: yeah yeah i, was, I didn't get to do much of that on the trip because i was like alone and uh didn't necessarily want to do every like a crazy backpacking trip right by myself but uh you know i or certainly it was more like hesitant to do that when i got got up north into like grizzly oh for sure <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. So from Rocky Mountain uh, you uh it sounds like you took an uh, a right turn, huh?
1: From Rocky Mountain. Actually, I went down to um Great Sand Dunes National Park.
0: Oh, totally, yeah. Awesome. Yeah.
1: So I was there for two or three nights, I think. Okay. Um and got some nice shots there. Um Yeah,
0: man, that's some dark skies right there.
1: Yeah, I didn't do any night photography there because of the I wasn't there during the um the new moon. Uh-huh. Um, but it was pretty cool just doing uh, just you know shots of the sand dunes or they're like the biggest in the country. I think they're crazy.
0: yeah, it's pretty awesome.
1: Um, so I enjoyed that. Um, and then from there, I went straight over to Moab in Utah. Mm-hmm. And I did, like I think the first morning I was there, I got one of the shots I've been hoping to get, which was like a good sunrise shot at Dead Horse Point.
0: Oh yeah, I saw that on your website. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. I
1: was like, "Hey, right, it worked first time. How about that?"
0: <laughs> lucky bastard. Almost doesn't
1: happen too often. Yeah.
0: <laughs> if it was me, it'd be like blue skies. Yeah, and right.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just got lucky there. So I, I was in Moab actually for about five days or something like that. Um, got a nice night shot in uh, Canyonlands. Nice. And, and from there, I went over to Escalante, and I or I went to Goblin Valley for a night got a panorama there at night. Cool. Uh, um, and then I was supposed to do a hike out in Escalante down to, uh, um, I think it's called yeah, reflection Canyon.
0: Oh yeah, man.
1: Yeah. So I was supposed to do that, but the weather sort of conspired against us and, you know, me and the, um, my hiking guy, cause I'd like, I'd heard it was like, you know, an awful crazy hike. Yeah. Like not well marked. So I hired this guy to, do it with me but the weather sort of conspired against it so didn't end bummer. up doing that yeah <laughs> but you know Josh Snow was out there just like a day before I was supposed to go out there and got an amazing shot so you know, yeah I, for me.
0: I <laughs> saw that shot it was so good
1: yeah yeah I was like well I don't need to do it Josh did it so <laughs> <laughs> it pretty amazing
0: yeah dude that that uh seeing his shot um uh, that inspired me to want to go backpack over there
1: yeah yeah so it's I didn't get to explore much of that area, but it looks pretty cool. Yeah. From the photos I saw. I um, ended up doing some work on my website and stuff. Um, so it's like desperately needed to f- update my website, um, which is kind of weird to do on a road trip, yeah. you know, in the middle of Utah. But, you know, motivation sometimes isn't always there, I guess, right. when you're out and alone in the middle of nowhere. But, um,
0: so where'd you go from uh, from Utah then?
1: I went up to... Let's see. From Escalante, I had the shortest, like, visit ever to Zion. <laughs> Not Zion. The other, what's the other one? Oh, Bryce. Um, Bryce, yeah. Because it was like, oh, I'll go take a look at that famous view everyone sees. And then I went over there, and, like, it was insanely busy in April, uh, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> So I like drove through that parking lot where you're supposed to park for the view, and it was just full of buses and car, and you know, just clogged. So I just said, "All right, well, I guess I'll try that." Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's just crazy. Um, from there, I went up to Stanley, Idaho, okay. where the um, Sawtooth Mountains yeah. are, um, and was hoping to do hiking up there. But man, they had so much snow; um, all the lakes were frozen and snow covered, so it was like really, you know, not very exciting. And, um, you, you know, it was a long hike in just to get to any like trailheads at that point. Right. Um, but I get to get some decent shots from what I could, you know, from the vistas that sure. I had, uh, let's see from there. I sort of like randomly decided, Oh, let's go to Glacier cause that's nearby. <laughs> so I went over to Montana to go to Glacier, but again, like crazy winter. So the park road wasn't even open. You could go in just a few miles, right?
0: It sounds um, like uh, your trip was full of um, uh, yeah. <laughs> like obstacles.
1: So, yeah, yeah. Well, it turns out like when there's a crazy winter, heading west in April is like not the best time to try to do things. I guess
0: right. But
1: um, it was still cool because I I camped out um, in the in the national park campground on the west no on the east side of Glacier National Park. Because um, it was open. It wasn't manned, but it was, you know, open, self-pay. And I could drive in the park from the east a little bit and walk up to uh, St. Mary Lake and to get some photos from there. Cool. Um, so that worked out. And I saw, like, you know, a giant herd of elk or caribou or whatever it is this time. I think it's elk.
0: I was going to say, I'm Remember. pretty sure that would be elk. but.
1: <laughs> yeah down there i guess yeah um sauce yeah so i think it was like a giant herd of elk around there i was like well that's pretty wild nice um and then from there so i spent like five four or five days there and then i drove up to um and like during all of this i'm like working a lot right so yeah. the four or five days i spent at glacier are not spent hiking around glacier they're spent working and then driving as far as i could and then hiking a bit and then working some do. more <laughs> <laughs> and working some more oh uh, that's so this, this sweet, way, yeah. thing would like yeah uh, you know maybe i'll do a nice big road trip again now that i'm full-time right. in photography you know um from there i went up to um lake louise uh up in oh, you know like, like around
0: banff or whatever
1: yeah yeah so which was you know Everyone and their dog has the same damn photo from Lake Right, right? right? It's just that reflection shot in the lake and it's beautiful and all that, but when you get there, man, it's like this huge hotel behind you. Oh, and it doesn't, you don't feel like you're in the wild at all, right? Not even remotely, man. It's like, uh, you know, tourists everywhere, hotel behind you, cigarette butts on the ground. It's like,
0: yeah, I always wonder uh, um, like, it's funny because you know, like you said, there's so many people that go there to take photos and whatnot. And it's it's always interesting to me, like that um, people will go out of their ways out of their way to, to get shots that everyone else already has of these locations that aren't really even remote or um, wild at all. It's it's,
1: yeah. um, It is. yeah, it's like that everywhere. Yeah. Like you were saying, Bryce is full of,
0: tour bus full of people and I don't know there's something about that that just doesn't appeal to me personally at all but I think other people um I just witnessing those locations I guess is what's important to them you know
1: yeah it doesn't generally appeal to me either and um you know Lake Louise for me was was interesting because it was one of those when I first got into like landscape photography like 10 years ago um, I, th- I think I remember seeing a photo from there. And I was like, well, what the heck is that? I've never seen that before. Um, so, you know, not knowing anything about, you know, the world really at that point, <laughs> about the beautiful photo options you can get all over the place, I thought that yeah. was really cool because I hadn't seen it before. And then, so it stuck with me, even though later on I learned it's like, you know, there's a hotel there. So right. It's kind of crazy. But I still went there anyway just to do it. Um, and, but yeah, generally like I – you know, I like when I was out in uh, in Utah. I didn't even go to Arches National Park because it was so. Even in April, it was crazy busy. There was like a line
0: just wow. to get into
1: the park, uh, like cars down the uh, entrance way just to get into the park. And you know, I didn't bother with um, what's that arch?
0: Oh, oh, that, oh, yeah, right,
1: Mesa Arch. You know, so I mean, it's beautiful, but man, you go try to go there at sunrise or sunset or whenever it's just full of photographers um all standing in a line so i avoided a lot of that stuff which i mean it's all beautiful i just doesn't really i'm the
0: the same way man like uh i don't even live that far away from that stuff and i still have not been it's yeah because just because of the kind of what you're describing like it just uh i don't know it makes me sick even just thinking about being at a location with a bunch of other people <laughs> <laughs> right
1: that said i still did you know dead horse point that everyone does and i just got back from death valley sure. and did zabriskie point and badlands yeah, actually
0: saw just now uh, like right before we started yeah. outdoor photographer uh tweeted your article
1: <laughs> oh yeah yeah i wrote that article yesterday and put it on yeah blog. that's cool uh so uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was, it was cool being out like, Death Valley going to these spots. So I still go to some of the heavy spots, but it's not usually on my, like, top right
0: Right, right, right. So what was...
1: But at a place like Death Valley, it was so easy. and I It was totally foreign to me to see it, so it was so pretty cool. What,
0: was, what was your ultimate goal in doing this road trip?
1: Um, just to, you know, go see... Mainly was to get to Alaska and spend the summer in Alaska. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> That's a good explore. reason. <laughs> yeah. So where did, where did um, you end I, up
0: landing in Alaska?
1: Um, I came in from the Alaska Highway, which goes through uh, British Columbia and the Yukon mm-hmm. and comes in on the east side of Alaska. Um, it's the only road into Alaska from the east side, I think, and goes into... Um, like, Toke is, like, the first big town you come from. And, you know, big town is, like, a pretty generous term. <laughs> uh, Fairbanks is, like, the biggest city up there. Um, but uh, to get, so, you know, after Banff, I did, or after Lake Louise, I spent, some like, a few days in Banff and went to, like, Two Jack Lake. Um, and then I was in, I did the Icefields Parkway from there up to Jasper. Mm-hmm and then spent some time in Jasper while I worked for my job and then left there and hit the Alaska highway. And I had like the week off for that. Um, and I can't remember how long the Alaska highway is off the top of my head, but it's like f- over a thousand miles. That's long. so crazy. Like 1200 or 1400. or I can't remember right now, but you start, you head out from, you know, from, uh, from Jasper, it takes like hours and hours and hours just to get to the start of the Alaska highway up in, um, Northern, uh, I think it's in British Columbia, Mm -hmm. Dawson, Dawson Creek.
0: (laughs) Isn't that a TV show? (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You start at Dawson Creek and it's like mile zero of the Alaska highway. And then you go like for four or five days or however long it takes you to get to Alaska. Um, and there's no, it is, uh, It's known, you know, for a reason because it's like there's nothing on the highway. There's some services here and there. Um, You know, like every hundred miles or so, there's a roadhouse, which is like a restaurant, lodging, a gas station, convenience store. Right.
0: And everything, I'm Um, sure, is like super expensive.
1: Yeah. I don't remember how, like I was in an RV, so I didn't do any lodging. Right. I just parked for free everywhere. but. I don't know what the lodgings like. Um, I remember eating in a few places. I don't remember it being like okay. insane, but um, <laughs> it was. You know, you're on this. Especially when I went out in, I think I was hitting it in like early May, the Alaska Highway. Mm-hmm. By the time I got there, it was pretty hmm. empty. Um, but it's a pretty crazy, like amazing drive. Like you're going through. I mean, initially it is. It's just kind of like the not a lot, it's just a forest up in like uh, British Columbia you're going through, but then you get up to like the British Columbia, you know, the mountains up there, the Rocky mountains, Canadian Rockies and Northern NBC up there. And, um, you go through a couple of provincial parks and then there's this place called Liard hot springs. Hmm. And it's a natural hot spring that you can go in. And it was the busiest spot I saw on the whole Alaska highway, you know, like the- <laughs> full of people. And you're like in the middle of nowhere, Like absolutely middle of nowhere, but it's pretty cool. A little hot spring action. And then from, you know, still like a long haul from there through the Yukon over to Alaska. Um, The whole thing that was just an experience in itself, you know, and there's like at one point on the highway, there's wild bison everywhere to watch out for. Yeah. when I went through, I only saw a few when I came back in July, there was like just tons of wild bison, like laying down (laughs) the side of the highway.
0: That's crazy. So where did you, where did you finally end up?
1: Well, I kind of went all over Alaska. I basically drove on every road you could drive on because there's only like six roads in Alaska. (laughs) Okay. There's like, it's a huge, huge state, but, um, only the like Southern half of it has like any highways. Right. Uh, really, um, there's, you know, the highway from Fairbanks down to Anchorage and then down to this the uh, Kenai Peninsula. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a highway that goes over to Valdez. And then there's a bunch of other towns on the coast like Juneau and um, other ones I'm forgetting like, to name right now. But like you have to like go either a different way in from Canada or take a boat to these places or fly to these places.
0: Yeah, I know so, my, um, my roommate in college, he, he went and spent every summer in Skagway, Alaska.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's down in like the uh, Inner Passage, maybe or something. I can't. Yeah, it's.
0: Yeah, I think most people get there by cruise ship.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's there's a lot of like amazing scenery down there um, on the southern, like the Panhandle, Inner Passage, whatever they call it. Yeah. But, so you know,
0: so so this road trip like did you come away with it feeling like more enlightened or inspired like what was the what was the outcome of of going on such a long trip
1: uh i know it was a mix i got some amazing photos and you know my, f- my, my favorite part of the trip was probably my girlfriend and i rented this van approved for gravel gravel highway travel and drove 400 and something miles up the dalton highway which goes up through the Arctic Circle up to uh, Dead Horse, which is like a few miles from the Arctic Ocean. Wow! <laughs> and like it takes it took us like two days just to get there because it's four hundred something miles long, um, and it's a dirt road. So you're not going fast, right? And um, but it goes through the Brooks Range Mountains oh, in Alaska, yeah. which is like I think the northernmost mountain range in North America, um, and they're just like incredible like crazy mountains. And I got a nice shot of, um, Sucopac mountain. Up there, okay. Which is, uh, not like crazy well known, but is a beautiful, like craggy marble mountain. Um, and it's like literally the side of the road and there's like this nice little pond that reflects it. <laughs> <So> <laughs>
0: just, just right up the road. Huh?
1: Yeah. Drive 200 miles up a dirt road. And there you That's are. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's plenty of hiking, but holy crap, the mosquitoes and horse flies. Were just yeah, insane. isn't that
0: crazy? Like, it's so cold up there in the winter, but somehow the bugs still survive.
1: Yeah, it was like you get out and get eaten alive. You know, there was one point where I had to get out of the van to um, inflate a tire.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And um, I had to put on full, like, upper body netting. And, like, you know, I had long pants on. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, just so I could inflate the tire because the mosquitoes were just bananas
0: oh, that sounds terrible
1: yeah it was fucking crazy you know and then you're talking about going to the bathroom up like that too you know
0: you ever um you ever heard of a a guy he's like an ultralight backpacker his name's andrew skirka he like uh he did like a month-long backpacking trip or maybe it was like two months in the brooks range like he did this huge loop and like talked about like how isolated he felt, and how, like, just it sounds like that place changes you as a person, you know what I mean?
1: I can imagine it would, man. That is, you know, one of those places where if you go backpacking up there, like, you're not going to see anyone else, most likely, for like a long, long
2: time, right? <laughs> you right? Know,
1: until you come home, probably. Um, but you know, I'd love to do that. You know, I looked into flights into some places up there, but like they're super expensive to fly in. Oh yeah, and,
0: for sure, for sure.
1: Um, but you know, I was amazing driving the Dalton Highway. Yeah, by itself, and
0: uh, so, so on um, the road trip, like did did doing that, it kind of seal the deal for you to go full time, or or were you already planning on doing that? Or,
1: well, I'd been thinking about it a long time, and certainly like the road trip, you know, it made it even. Like, you know, whatever made it even harder to not be full time. Um, <laughs> right. And it was just like, you know, man, this would be amazing just to be full time and do this, but how am I going to make money? <laughs>
0: right, 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 right. Um, I have to eat and pay gas. Yeah, I
1: have to eat and pay gas. It's really expensive to drive around in an RV. Uh, you know, gets that one got like 13, 14 miles per gallon, you know. Right. And you're driving <laughs> a ton. Um, but uh, also it was expensive road trip because it broke down a ton of times and oh, yeah. pay like an enormous amount of money just to get it fixed like five times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had this is a whole bunch. That's a whole nother story of like, the, you know, freaking being stranded in the middle of nowhere in Alaska and having to get towed. And then like the generator mounts breaking and having to like tie the generator on. Oh, my God. Like, so it didn't, you know, fall off.
0: <laughs> I mean, you're not exactly making it sound luxurious.
1: No, like, you know, it was an old RV, man. It's the way it went. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was, uh, you know, it was an amazing experience. And, like, I got a lot of good photos. and um, But it did make me realize how much I, you know, also love the Main Coast. Oh, yeah. I missed it as well, you know. just It was home. You know. So, so
0: what? What finally convinced you that you could um, transition into being full time?
1: Um, well, like I think it was just you know looking at what I the income I'd had over the past few years, of photography, and you know being able to do workshops and make money that way, mm-hmm. and you know income from video tutorials, and then just kind of wanting to do it and being sort of tired of, mm-hmm. of not being able to do photography full time and having another job. Although the other job provided, you know, benefits and like healthcare and stuff. like yeah, that. Yeah. Right. And, um, so it was super scary, but um, I just decided one day, I think it was the beginning of September last year that I was like, all right, let's, we're going to, you know, my girlfriend and I at that point were getting ready to move to Lubeck, Maine, um, and, you know, she was leaving her job. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to leave my job, too. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to see what the heck happens. Um, so, I know. It was just like kind of a leap of faith, I guess. But I decided to do it. I figured um, it was also a good time to do it, you know. Like a totally change of life, move into a new uh-huh. town. Um, if I don't do it now, when will I ever right, do it? Right, right, right. You know, I would probably feel like I was stuck with the other job. Um, because I needed to make money to pay the bills to live and all that. If I didn't do it, and it just seemed like the right time to just you know make a huge change in all directions, <laughs> just yeah. let it go.
0: So, so how um, are you leveraging that change to um, sustain sustain your business? Because I know, like, I um, I got laid off from my job about two weeks ago. Yeah, and oh, so i you know I've been kicking around the same kind of idea, although like I'm a little yeah. less. Transient because I you know I'm married I have a ten year old son um, I have stuff although not a ton of stuff so but you know it's can't let your kids starve yeah and so it's like I'm okay (laughs) if I'm eating like beans and rice or whatever but like I don't know like having another person you're responsible for kind of changes your thought process a little bit so um, yeah like I've been thinking about it myself and it's. Um, I don't know. It's, it's scary.
1: (laughs) It is totally scary. That's why it took me so long to do it too. You know? Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, (laughs) I'm still like terrified, (laughs) like pretty regularly. (laughs) Uh, you know, I, I, you know, there's, (laughs) there's been quite a few nights where I wake up in the middle of the night and then freak out and start like, you know, can't get back to sleep because I'm super worried.
0: Uh, right, and you're like, maybe, maybe I should find a job. job.
1: What the hell am I doing? What the hell? What was I thinking? This is a stupid. <laughs> um, but it's you know, it's working out. It's you know, I mean, I didn't just jump in without any money. You know, luckily I had some savings, right? But sure. um, and it was I was fortunate for the, for the first few months up until just recently. I was busy with um various things for. Like speaking for Nikon at a couple events, some articles I was writing for Outdoor Photographer and Digital Photo and, uh, you know, some other things. So I had income already coming in for photography for Mm -hmm. the last few months. But now I'm at the point where, like, I just finished, you know, the CES Expo and I don't have anything scheduled for, like, photography income until, like, this summer when I hold workshops. Um, Yeah. So I'm still sort of, like, settling into it in a lot of ways, too.
0: Right. So let's transition a little bit. Tell me a little bit about like Photo Expo Plus and like speaking at CES for Nikon. Like, I guess um, I'm curious. Like, how did you get into those gigs, and like, what did you speak about, and um, kind of what what would you say to other people that haven't been to a to an event like that?
1: Well, um, let's see. Like, I, you know, Nikon invited me to speak at Photo Plus Expo. The first time, like three years ago, Um, I guess that would have been the 2015 Expo, and Mm -hmm. I had already worked with them on a few um, things before then. So, or at least one thing, like they, like going back, like further, um, they asked me to work on a, a project with the Nikon D810A a few years ago
0: yeah i think i remember that yeah
1: so which was crazy and awesome um and that's sort of its own story but they i'd already worked with them so they asked me to speak at this expo and i was like what's this expo and i <laughs> looked it up and i was like yeah, hell yes i'll speak at this expo like of course i'm gonna say yes to an invitation like that right um right I've done that for. I've been lucky to do that. You know, they had me back another two years. So I've been there for three years, and then they had me to um, for the first time at their uh, their stage on in the uh, CES Expo in Las Vegas just a couple weeks ago. Um, and I talk about my you know landscape astrophotography mostly, right? And mm-hmm, kind of the mm-hmm. techniques for it, but also a lot of the stories behind the images, which I enjoy doing because it's not just here's an image and here's the details. It's like, this is how I got to this location. This is how I planned it. This is all the crazy stuff that went on behind it. You know, right, and
0: here, here's where you can put your tripod.
1: Here. <laughs> Not quite kidding. that specific, but yeah. <laughs> um, That's
0: cool, man. I, I would love to be able to do that. Um, um, I think especially like night photography, I can, I can talk about that shit for hours, but, um, have you had had you had a lot of um, public speaking experience before that
1: um only at like at camera clubs which uh are anywhere from like you know you might have 20 people or 80 people depending on the size of the club right and the first camera club i spoke at was in portland maine i think there was about 80 people there nice but before that even um, when i was i lived in uh, cambridge massachusetts next to boston for about 11 years yeah, And, like, I guess to go way back to the beginning of this conversation, I had, you know, goofed around with my camera when I was a kid. And then I got a 35-millimeter, like, you know, film SLR when I was in high school and kind of screwed around with that, but didn't do a whole lot. And it was serious about photography, like, for a long time. But in the, like, early, like, the mid-2000s, I got into video. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got, like a, you know, like, a nice fancy video camera and started doing... Um, like videotaping uh, comedians at this comedy club in uh, in Cambridge and just making DVDs for them and stuff just to kind of get experience. And then I made a couple short films and did some film festival stuff, which led me back into photography. But for the films, like I had, I would screen my films in front of my friends and their friends and all the cast and the friends of the cast and all that um in a theater in cambridge the brattle theater and i would like rent it out and do this and there would be like you know 60 to 100 people at the showing maybe or it's like 50 to 70 people something like that Uh so that was those first two times doing that were actually like a big help nice so doing like a camera club for 20 people was like not a big deal um or 80 people even and then for some reason i mean i'm definitely nervous when i get up on stage (laughs) sure i mean i think you'd have to be
0: like inhuman not yeah uh... right to not be Right, like a robot but, or something.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But fortunately, I did have, you know, all that, some prior experience. So it wasn't totally foreign to me. I wasn't stammering <laughs> and stuttering the whole time. Um, but it is, you know, I mean, you get there and like you're on stage, you're sharing the stage with people like Corey Rich and Jerry Guiones and Dixie Dixon and these, these huge name photographers you know it's kind of like josh Cripps said on his interview he's like what the hell am i doing here? Yeah, but it's
0: so funny though because like he said that and you've said that and i and i and it's and like uh recently colby brown posted something about some photo event he's gonna be at and it, and it showed a picture of him with all these other photographers and like he was the only one i recognized out of all of them and it, like it's just weird like people it's all relative right like what's famous to this one person might be like, I don't know any of those people, but I know Adam, right. I know Adam Woodworth and I know Colby Brown <laughs> and I know Josh Cripps, but like, I don't know right. Corey rich. So it's just funny. Like if, if you're super into landscape, like it's a different world. I think that, um,
1: uh, yeah, no, it's just true for sure that there's a, just a different, different people are known in the landscape community. Right. Yeah, now. totally. And, uh, Uh, but like Joe McNally's on a stage, like everyone knows who Joe McNally is because probably Googled for photography tips a long time ago. How
0: do you shoot a headshot?
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. And he came up, you know, right. So like, Oh, Joe McNally. And you know, he's like, I'm doing a talk at CES on, on landscapes. And I'm just got still photos of my landscapes with, you know, the Milky way. Right. Jerry, uh, Joe McNally gets on stage and he's doing a behind the scenes shot of how he (laughs) <laughs> did speedlight shots with helicopters.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. And you're like, oh, that's, uh I can't exactly emulate that.
1: um Yeah. And you know, me and Josh Cripps are like standing there next to her, watching a lot of the talks. And we look at each other and like, where's my helicopter budget? <laughs> like, what the hell? Right.
0: Yeah. No kidding. Well, you could like use a drone or something, <laughs> I guess.
1: Yeah. But uh, well, he's doing like shots not from helicopters, he's doing, or just from, hel- he's doing a shot from a helicopter of another helicopter, like over New York City, <laughs> like with like speed lights in the helicopter lighting up the pilot. Yeah, obviously and um, it's just crazy, crazy obviously
0: stuff. Obviously, you can still make a living as a photographer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, jeez. Especially when you have giant corporate clients that'll hire you for stuff. Like oh, that, I know.
0: Man. Well, and it's so funny that too, like um, so nice. I, one of the things I talk about a little bit on the podcast that recently I've been thinking a lot about is um who was I talking to? Oh, uh, Mark Handy. I don't know if you know him. He's, um he's a landscape photographer, but he used to be a journalist for the wall street journal. And um, oh, yeah. him and I were talking and, and cool. yeah, he, 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 we were kind of talking about like um, like there's a lot of luck involved in becoming um, known becoming a known entity um i mean obviously you have to have all the skills and everything like that but there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of landscape photographers that have all the skills but not everyone gets lucky enough to like have their own gallery yeah i mean there's more to it than luck but you know he was saying like he got really lucky because um i can't remember like he like lived down the street or something like that from like peter licks gallery and like Got in good with the guys that were directing Peter Lick's gallery. And then they're like, well, do you want to be in this gallery? And like, it was just kind of like who, you know, kind of a thing. And it's funny. Like, I I feel like um, it kind of works that way in landscape photography too. Like if you look at all the, a lot of the big names in landscape photography and a lot of the people that aren't big names, there's sometimes not much that differentiates them um, artistically anyway.
1: Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Um, I I don't know what it takes to become known or anything. I just got, you know, I I think if if I was starting out now, I would would not be where I am because I you know I started night photography back in like 2010.
0: Yeah, right when like you no know, one was doing it.
1: Yeah, you know, and I wasn't wasn't really doing my like stuff that's really good until a few years after that mm-hmm. for night photography, right? So yeah, back when there's like a smaller market and you're, um, there's a whole lot fewer people doing, you know, the Milky Way, it's probably easier to get people to notice your work, I guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then I, you know, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I got lucky with, with some breaks with the outdoor photographer magazine, luminous landscape website and stuff like that. Um, but it's so hard now. I think there's just, so many good photographers, you know.
0: Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's what what people latch on to and what becomes popular and, and people become super well-known all of a sudden out of nowhere um, just because they were able to capitalize on, on something quickly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the whole social media thing is like a whole nother ball of wax. Yeah. It's like just a whole nother animal. And I'm not very good at it, man. Like, I, like... I only have 2,500 Instagram followers and I just recently crossed like the 2000 mark. <laughs> um, and like, I don't, you know, like I, I didn't even know what an Instagram story was until the other day when the Nikon like uh, marketing uh, PR people were with me at CES and like wanted to do a story with me on Instagram. And I was like, what's a story? <laughs> <laughs> like, like,
0: That's awesome.
1: I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So like, so I'm super bad at, at social media. Right. Well, um,
0: yeah. I I'd like to say that it's not all just social media savviness. I think, it you know, there's a lot of different variables that get woven in, and and some people take off, and some people don't. It's it's one of the things that constantly mystifies me personally. But um, and I'm not like you mad know? or salty about it. I'm just I'm curious as to
1: oh yeah, it's like why I you know I
0: like why that guy, but not this guy. You know. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I don't know. And Instagram's weird too, because you can't share people's stuff like directly.
0: Right. right? Not, not easily. So like, like not with another, my, yeah.
1: Yeah. So like you'd have to like take the image and tag them and like, you know, share it on your own account and tag them or something. And I guess that means you'd have to get your images shared in like one of those big Instagram hubs.
0: I mean, I've had um, mine shared on big hubs, but yeah, it doesn't really.
1: Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know, man.
0: It's 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 funny. I don't know. Um. Anyway, yeah. so tell me.
1: I yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I was to say I did a lot of stuff with Facebook back in the day before Instagram was like what it is now.
0: Well, yeah. And now and now Facebook, knowledge. the algorithm is just crushing small pages. Like, unless you want to pay, yeah. you're not going to get seen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I just these days, man. I just post my stuff and like. You know, I I'm lucky that I have you know a blog with outdoor photographer and I can put stuff up there and um, you know have other outlets once in a while. But uh, I don't know, I I'm not good at social media by any stretch. <laughs> and it's weird, like I'm like you know I have all this money tied into like camera gear and do all this like work to do the photos and go to the location, do all the planning, do like editing. And I'm really like you know happy with what I got. And then people see it on a postage stamp on their phone, you know. yeah right right
0: at 1.2 megapixels
1: right it's just like the payoff is like not you know for social media is really weird but you know it does make you feel good when people like you know see your work and like it and talk to you about it
0: sure no i agree
1: get feedback and all that so it's just a strange world it is it it is yeah
0: so so why night photography
1: why not night photography i guess right it's fun (laughs) um
0: Like, how did you get hooked into it?
1: I, you know, I guess you could say that technically the first time I tried to do landscape astrophotography was, oh my God, probably like 20 years ago um, with film cameras. And I was on a fire tower in New Hampshire and just like, I had no idea what I was doing. I just took like a bulb shot, 30 seconds or a minute, I don't know, with the full moon up over, um. Just the, the woods, and like, you know, I think we could see like Portsmouth, New Hampshire in front of me. Like, it wasn't an interesting shot. Uh-huh. But I was up doing photography at night, and it was, it was you know, when I got the, the image back from the lab, you know, the developed image back from the, the lab that I took it to, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Right. You know, it looks like daytime. You know, I didn't knew nothing about what I was doing, right? Uh-huh. And then it wasn't until like, you know, a long time later when I had a digital camera and I was out on the coast of Maine. Um, to shooting at sunset and it was like a nice I think a warm summer day and I was just hanging out you know just enjoying the scenery after I was shooting and the stars started to come out and I was like you know what I bet I could shoot the stars <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude It's was like I've you know this is 2010 I think and it's like I'd never done uh-huh. it before I was like I bet I could do it I know stars you know the earth rotates so I can't do it for too long otherwise you get star trails right so I just shot like the stars and like the big and like the Big Dipper over like some rocks at the ocean, you know. Yeah. On like a crop camera, I think it was a Nikon, you know, D seven thousand or something back then. Uh huh. Yeah. Um,
0: that was my first DSLR.
1: Yeah, I think my first DSLR was like a D eighty, uh-huh. and then a D ninety, and then a D seven thousand, then it's the D seven thousand one hundred or something like that. Right. Um. Then I went to full frame eventually right and uh but yeah this was back you know just kind of screwing around i'd you know barely ever seen any like night photos that i could remember um and just yeah that was cool and then was talking to a friend of mine uh, mo chen who's another main photographer um you know after that at some point and he was like yeah i want to try shooting the milky way i was like oh that sounds cool it's like i hadn't seen milky way photos before Uh other than like you know telescope photos in the milky way yeah. So, like, he goes out and does it, and he's like, oh, cool. So, like, I tried it too. It was like us, oh, or one, one or vice versa, one or the other, right? Um, and then pretty soon, I'm taking, you know, we're both taking, like, shots at lighthouses and stuff like that. And um, I think it was, so like, 2011, maybe, I got my, like, full frame. Yeah. Something like that. I can't That's remember. That's
0: I got mine too. That's funny. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. And it was, like, s- super crazy because I was at the store getting the um you know i would ordered the camera at a, at a store up in new hampshire and went there to pick it up and i was like trembling because it was such an expensive camera i know <laughs> like, taking it out of the box was it the d800 yeah at 800e yeah it was my first yeah same somewhere. And i was like me too yeah i was like <laughs> so scared to take it out of the box and use it i know um and then i like you know it took me a little while to go like all right i actually gotta buy some better lenses because i i bought like a cheap lens um like when I don't know, was like an 18 to 35 or something that was like terrible. Oh, right. Yeah. And then I had the 17 to 35, which wasn't that great. Um, uh-huh. not super good, but um, anyway, yeah, you know, it's just like a different world it was back then getting into Yeah, it, like, I remember
0: like, I shot, yeah. so I had a similar story. Like I was backpacking in Colorado here back in like 2008 and I had like this old, um, well, back then it wasn't old, but well, actually kind of was it was a Sony DSC-828 it was an 8 megapixel camera with a fixed 8 to 200 lens <laughs> and and um i shot uh like stars photo same thing i was like oh i bet i could take a photo of the stars over that mountain right there and i did and it was like you know the mountain was 100% silhouetted, and like you could see the stars, but it was pretty grainy. And
2: mm-hmm. yeah, and I was
0: like, that's kind of cool. And then when I got my my D7000, um, I had like the kit 18 to 105, and I shot uh, my first Milky Way core shot like in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. And
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: And then I got the Tokina 11 to 16, and um yeah, yeah, dude, it just stuck with right. me. Like that's like that's like all I shot for a long time was just. Milky Way photos, like, same kind of thing. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, me Um, too. I think, you know, when I got into it, I was like, oh, this is really cool. And I hadn't really seen it a whole lot, right?
0: Yeah, me neither.
1: And then you start to see what other people are doing, and you get more ideas. And then, you know, it's just so much fun. Like, I've always had an interest in space and astronomy and... Yeah, me too. um, Like, astrophysics and stuff like that. So, I was just enjoyed being out at night under the stars, you know. Especially in the summer, it's so warm um and comfortable like on the in maine anyway where you can just go out and like
2: look yes. up
1: at the stars and right. you're not freezing your butt off and um and it was just like just an enormous amount of fun and that's why i got into it and stayed with it i guess you know yeah
0: <laughs> i think um one of my key moments was i remember uh, remember when google plus was actually a big deal <laughs> yeah <laughs> i uh I, I remember I saw a a picture that David Kingham posted of a Milky Way panorama. And it was the first time I'd ever seen anyone do a panorama of the Milky Way. Oh,
2: yeah.
0: And I was like, what? What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Because I did tons of panos, but never of the night sky. And I was like, how did you do that? And he's like, the same way you would do a normal panorama. And I was like, really? And then I went and did it. And I was like, sure enough, all you got to do is, I mean, it's a little bit more complicated, but not much yeah and um yeah I was hooked I was like hell yeah dude this is awesome
1: yeah panos are so much fun I and it's weird for a couple of years when I was really into night photography like I didn't even do panos yeah like, I don't know why I'd like forget to do them I don't know
0: <laughs> it's funny like that's all I did was panos like oh I'm, yeah I'm pan that I'm gonna do a pano of that
1: yeah it was, like if I finally did one one day at, at a Portland headlight in Maine in the winter when it was all covered in snow and like i was like holy crap that came out really nice and then got into that more um but it is you know and it's just a lot of fun although i you know last year i was on that photography road trip i spent so much time way up north where the sun never sets that like i didn't get much night photography until i was back in maine
0: oh yeah right
1: you know? that makes sense yeah it's kind of crazy being in alaska and you're like well it's midnight and it's bright out
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah Well, uh, let's shift gears a little bit. We're kind of running out of time. So I wanted to get in my my final two little questions here. So based on the name of the podcast, um, F-Stop Collaborate and Listen, um, what uh, advice do you have for other landscape photographers? And maybe put a little twist on it. uh, Maybe people that are hoping to pursue night photography.
1: Oh, man. Um, Well, I think like in general for landscape photographers, I'm going to go with like uh, the stop part and like, don't forget when you're out shooting does just stop and take it all in. Like it's so easy to go out and get so focused on your composition with the night sky, or especially if you're out like under the Northern lights, um, mm-hmm. where things are going crazy and you got to move fast mm-hmm. or you're under like a sunrise or sunset. that's going crazy and you don't have a few minutes for it. Like yeah. don't forget to like stop and take it all in. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't forget you have two eyes and they don't have to be glued on the camera screen the whole time right um because it's so easy to get out there and then be like yeah i saw that you know i have these amazing aurora photos but i don't remember what it was like like, (laughs) right actually being there
0: yeah sometimes it's hard man like um especially those like sunsets and sunrises like oh
1: yeah and they only like for like a minute maybe you get this amazing light and then it's gone right Uh, yeah exactly so that's tough to do it for that. But like if you're out under like the stars, it's easy to do it under the stars, right? Because the Milky Way doesn't move very fast. Like right. The Earth is rotating, but the stars are sort of slowly progressing through the sky. So you can pretty easily kind of kick back and take in the sky at night, um, especially when you're doing like, you know, like I do a lot of long exposure foregrounds yeah like, right like minutes minutes and minutes long and then you got a dark frame so it's like i got half an hour or 40 minutes just to kick back and like look around you know yeah i was gonna
0: say like uh okay i just did a five minute of the foreground and then it's gonna do another five minute to uh, <laughs> dark, yeah, frame, to, yeah. uh dark frame yeah this is gonna be awesome
1: yeah and you're like standing there sometimes you're impatient because you're like oh man it's cold or um it's like getting eaten by mosquitoes or whatever but you know if you have time to kick back and take it in um you know don't forget to do that especially if you're on like a, a trip to somewhere special yeah where you might not get back to so easily or ever
0: right um,
1: don't forget to remember what it looks like with your brain
0: yeah no um, kidding
1: you know i remember the first time i was under a huge aurora storm it was like a kp7 and i was far enough north up in Newfoundland. That I was able to like see it just kind of go off like all over my head and behind me and all over.
0: Oh my god.
1: You know, and I was like, it's not Iceland, but man, it was intense, you know? And
0: yeah, I got, dude.
1: Luckily, I was able to take in plenty of just like enjoying it moments.
0: That's cool.
1: Um as far as like for like tips for people getting into night photography, you said? Yeah. Um man, I guess. Uh you know, my like, if you really want to get into it, I would say don't skimp on the gear at first. and right. It's something that like I've done plenty of times, where I'll get into something, whether it's printing or you know photography or something else with photography or like deep space photography or something, or you'll buy like you know the kit lens, or the kit camera, and, and like, like why, it all works.
0: Why? Why? Yeah. Why do the stars have so much coma?
1: yeah yeah, nothing looks right didn't
0: buy a good lens
1: (laughs) yeah so i suppose like if you're just getting into it and want to get the gear like you know get a and you can certainly take amazing photos with crop cameras like for sure these days so you don't need to get a full frame but um you know treat yourself to a good lens yeah i agree you know um and take the time to at least you know, I, I like they're so easy to go out and just take like a shot of the Milky Way over whatever, but treat it, treat the Milky Way like, um, you know, uh, just, just an element of your composition. It is not necessarily the centerpiece right. of your composition because it looks the same every night other than like air glow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the stars, you know, we're not going to live long enough to see the Milky Way really change much. Yeah. So. Right. Um, Just think about your compositions and, you know, place it over interesting foreground objects, Um, which a lot of people, like, it's, most people do that, right? But it's also easy to go out and, like, get kind of hung up and, like, just pointing your camera northwards over some trees or something.
0: Yeah. No, I've done it. Like.
1: (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that's how we start, right? Absolutely. But, you know, treat it like it's the sky, like, at sunrise or something like that. Just have it positioned cool over something fun in the foreground. Yeah. Yeah
0: um oh cool man that's i like that that's good advice i mean honestly like if you want to get into knife photography now it's not i mean you could pick up a uh, d7100 and a tokina 11 to 16 for like i don't know like a seven eight hundred dollars like it it's
1: yeah oh is it that cheap to get the like a 7100
0: yeah dude like and the lens like yeah
1: that's yeah yeah dude that's awesome yeah i mean it's (laughs) so different from what it used to be i know it's
0: a good time to be uh To get into because the gear i mean it's progressed a lot but i mean you can still take great photos with like six or seven year old gear
1: oh yeah definitely i mean i've had workshops where people show up with everything from um you know like full frames to just mirrorless crops to like the four micro Mm -hmm, mm four-thirds you know like i've got a workshop coming up this year that like some guy might actually show up with uh like medium format equipment but you know I've seen people take amazing shots with like a Nikon um, like D3500 and like the kit lens that came with it like the 18 to 35 or whatever yeah. it is 18 to 55 like F three and a half f five56 or whatever yeah. it is. It's just amazing how you know it's not as bright you don't get as much light in the stars, stars are maybe not quite as sharp. you don't get to see as many stars with the photos but like it's still like so much better than it was when I first started, oh, for sure. just for the entry-level gear. So it's amazing, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's a whole different world now. It's so much easier to take.
0: Well, cool. So who who would you uh, want to hear here on the podcast?
1: Um, well, I feel like I should definitely throw out a, uh, um, props to, my, to some other Nikon people that were on the stage for me there. Uh, you already had Josh Cripps on, but um, do you know Mike Meshuel? I think that's how you spell his and say his name.
0: Um, I I know the name, but I don't think I've seen his work.
1: His work is pretty amazing. He has a lot of these really awesome um, storm chasing photos. Oh Yeah, yeah, yeah. Texas, yeah. that area, right? Yeah, and he's got awesome, awesome night work. Like he's got something from. I forget which. It might have been White Sands or something, but there's like a, a thunderstorm with the moon and the Milky Way or something like. that. <laughs>
0: like rainbows like and just, butterflies, and
1: that's <laughs> yeah, just in, it's totally insane. <laughs> and if you have him on, ask him about the story behind that shot. It's a pretty cool story. Okay, cool. And like just amazing photos from Iceland. Um, and do you know Mandy Lee? No. He's another great landscape photographer, and she has a cool story. She went and like downsized to like a teardrop tail trailer. And oh cool her and her boyfriend travel around like full-time in that okay cool um and then like i definitely gotta get you know there's like I, have, I could talk about other people i want you to interview for hours but definitely gotta give some local guys a shout out um benjamin williamson do you know his work
0: yeah for sure um yeah. he's reached out to me a few times um we just haven't set anything up yet
1: oh cool yeah, yeah. he's uh, a good friend of mine and Actually, he's... he's
0: the one that recommended you. <laughs>
1: oh, okay, that's cool. Um, he uh, he's also the editor now for a uh, Down East magazine, the photography editor. Yeah. Um, and then like, I'd love to hear from uh, Jerry Monkman. Do you know his work? Huh. So he's um been around in the photography world for a long time, and he uh, he's a conservation photographer. Oh, cool. So like, you know, the rest of us go out and take pretty photos and share them on social media. And we're like, look at my pretty photo. He's out like taking photos of places that need to be like saved or conserved or, you know, try to help, um, uh, you know, conserve some area or save some area from, uh, big, bad people. So he, uh, just a few years ago, did this project where, um, in New Hampshire, there's this thing called the Northern Pass that um, Hydro Quebec up in Canada wants to run these like super tall power lines through the mountains in New Hampshire and like basically like destroy all these wonderful Mm -hmm. views and just ugly ass power lines through. Um, So he um, made a documentary film about that whole project and like the negative impact on it and interviewed a lot of people who would, who either refuse to give up their land to the company because the company is basically like trying to buy everyone's land mm-hmm. from them. Um so he interviewed a lot of people who would just for like refuse to give up the land or whose land a where they want to put the towers. And um so he's like actually out there trying to make a difference. It's <laughs> like um do important things other than just take pretty Yeah, that's money, you know that's that's actually like, a great fit for the lovely.
0: podcast because that's a topic that we talk about quite a bit and um I'm actually trying to raise some money for like a a landscape conservation award. So, um, that, that, that would be a great fit for the podcast for sure.
1: Well, yeah, he would be your guy for that, man. Like he's been, he's been writing for outdoor photographer for a long time and awesome. Um, he's, uh, just a fucking great guy too. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's some awesome work.
0: Well, cool man. Those are that'll keep me busy for sure to reach out to some of those some of those people. I appreciate the the recommendations, man.
1: Yeah, you're welcome, man.
0: Cool. Well, man, thanks so much. It's like time flies when you talk about night photography, I guess. So <laughs> yeah, you know, like doing a huge road trip to Alaska. So thanks for thanks for coming onto the podcast, I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I was excited.